Although reported cases and deaths are declining globally and several countries have lifted restrictions, the pandemic is far from over and it will not be over anywhere until it's over everywhere. Oh yeah, there's that. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Uh, And your favorite podcast sites, except for Spotify, Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today uh, on the one year. Yeah, that sounds a little bit better, Des. Did you mess with the the amplifier for me there? Yes, I tried to. Thank you. It's, ah, there we go. Now I think we got it right. Thank you. For now. Anyway, uh, where was I? Welcome to the broadcast. Uh, and yes, this is the one time of year <clears throat> before things get really grim here today. This is the one time of year uh, that we celebrate. Des, do you know what this is that we're going to celebrate here momentarily? <laughs> no, I don't. It <laughs> is the one time of year uh, where we celebrate the one and only thing that the Republican Congress did under George W. Bush, Bush that I find worth celebrating. That is, namely, extending daylight savings time. So we have the first daylight savings time extended day of the year. Uh, and that is thanks to the Republicans under George W. Bush. See, people think I beat up on Republicans. I won't ever say anything good about them. Yes, I will. I can go back to the, what was it, six years where Republicans <laughs> held the uh, majority in, in Congress under George W. Bush. And I have found one thing that they did good Expanding daylight savings. Well, so at least there's that. See, there's that. And uh, by the way, I might have also celebrated their 25-year expansion of the Voting Rights Act that also occurred under George W. Bush back in 2006. But clearly, the Republicans did not mean it at the time, and they only did it to try to save their majorities in Congress that year. 
which did not work, by the way. Uh, but obviously they didn't mean it because they've allowed the Supreme Court to further and further gut the Voting Rights Act, the landmark protection for voters and democracy itself ever since. And uh, and they've made every effort possible to prevent restoring the Voting Rights Act since then as well. So guess what? To hell with them. But hey, they extended daylight savings time, so credit where it's due. Now, I realize not everyone may agree. They may not like daylight savings time, as some insane people feel. But, uh, but you know, hey, wrong. listen, there yeah. are some Senate Democrats that are trying to introduce legislation to end it once and for all and just stay on what this would be daylight savings time year round. Permanently. Yeah. Which is the right way to do it. And again, if people disagree, that's fine. They're wrong. I would take calls on it later at 818-985-5735, but I don't think I'm going to have time for many calls. We will see. Uh, We will get to uh, (laughs) – so that's our not horrible news. We will get to some of the really horrible news in in Ukraine shortly and, as I said, maybe open up the phone lines to you on some of it if time allows – Uh, But since I'm in no rush right now to head into that grim news, let me start with something that, ironically enough, feels less grim today (sighs) by one measure of how grim uh, damn near everything seems like these days. COVID-19. That's what we're going to do to cheer ourselves up from Ukraine, Desi Doyen. That's a pretty low bar. Yeah, it is. Uh, So let me put it to you this way for a start. If you ha- Before you turn off entirely saying you don't want to hear about it. it. So let me just get this in. If you haven't gotten your COVID booster shot yet, now is a really, really, really good time to get that taken care of. And I, I you know, I realize states and, and localities are dropping their COVID mandates for masks and va- vaccinations and such. Uh, Although I think the uh, Los Angeles Unified School District, if I'm not mistaken, decided they're going to keep their mask mandates in place for the time being. Yes. For in-school, in-room instruction, in-person instruction, yes. They're going to keep it in place. Smart. Smart. Uh, Because I'm not seeing yet a lot of news about this, uh, probably because everyone is understandably so sick and tired of it after, you know, two long years, two and a half, whatever it's been. I suspect we will, unfortunately, see much more of this in the coming days, whether we want to or not. Uh, Even if, you know, man, I hope I am wrong about this. From the Chronicle News... In the U.K., COVID cases are rising again across the northeast in Great Britain, and hospitalizations are beginning to trend upward again as well, with public health experts warning that the threat from the virus remains a potent one. Rates of COVID-19 substantially low, are substantially lower than during the peak of Omicron this winter in, uh, in this part of the U.K., uh, even in the areas showing the biggest rise right now. It is thought, however, that a variant of Omicron described as BA2, which is being dubbed Stealth Omicron, may be causing the uptick in the northeast part of Britain. Now, some early studies that I've read on BA2 suggest it could be as deadly as Delta, but up to 30 percent more transmissible than the highly contagious original Omicron BA1 variant. 
So you see what I was saying about not great news? Uh, Back to the Chronicle news here in Britain. As of March 5, COVID cases had risen in well over half of local areas in the Northeast compared to a week previous. In the hardest hit areas, the case rate per 100,000 people over seven days jumped back to 612. That's still well below where it was a month ago at over 900 when it was announced that restrictions would be ending. But it is now once again rising quickly. The British government's living with COVID strategy saw most restrictions disappear on February 24. And yes, the rates of infection and now hospitalization has begun to rise again since then. Case rates began rising in Newcastle, for example, for the first time since January 10 last week. According to the latest publicly available government data, the the rate rose on March 3 and in the following days. Across the area, the number of hospitalized COVID-positive patients has stopped falling, just as it has in many places now across the U.S. That would seem to be good. Uh, But in some places, in Britain, it has begun to increase yet again. This week, responding to rises in cases around the U.K. and figures from the Imperial College REACT-1 study, which measures COVID prevalence showing an increase, Dr. Jenny Harries of the U.K. Health Security Agency said, quote, these data confirm that cases have declined substantially following the peak of Omicron of the Omicron wave. However, there's always a however, the increasing presence of the B.A. 2 sublineage of Omicron and the recent slight increase in infections in those over 55 show that the pandemic is not over and we can expect to see COVID circulating at high levels. She said getting vaccinated remained vital to protect the population from severe illness. The latest findings from the REACT-1 study covering February 8 to March 1 uh, show that prevalence in England during this period was 2.88%. That was down on the 4.4% that was in the previous round of this study from uh, early January to mid-January. However, it was also the second highest recorded rate of cases since the study began in 2020. Unfortunately, this potential surge is not only in the U.K. Oh, how I wish it was. As USA Today reports today... The U.K., the Netherlands, Germany, Switzerland, Italy, they were all among those that saw an upswing in cases this past week, according to data from Johns Hopkins University. Germany saw a spike in cases from a low of about 1,500 cases per million on March 2 to to more than 2,300 cases per million as of March 12th. Doing the math there quickly, that's an increase of more than 50 percent in cases over about 10 days. Uh, Cases in the Netherlands are up from a recent low of just under 2,000 cases per uh, million as of uh, February 27, up to now just under 4,000 cases per million Uh, As of March 12, according to the data, that is a 100 percent increase in two weeks time. 
Among the uh, company, uh, among the countries whose data has charted an increase in cases, some have also seen a rise in hospitalizations, including Ireland, the UK, Netherlands. That, of course, is a key factor because even with the first variant of Omicron being less severe and less lethal overall, the increase in infectiousness and transmissibility also increased both hospitalizations and deaths over the Delta variant that came just prior to it last fall, even as Delta was more lethal at the time on a per capita basis. The possibility of a new variant or a spike in cases always exists, given the nature of viruses, according to Agbanya Amenka, an assistant professor at Butler University College of Pharmacy and Health Science. Omenka told USA Today a wave in Europe and other countries, for that matter, might occur in the U.S. as well. Because it's an infectious disease, unless we eradicate it, there is bound to be that possibility of its return. As the virus variants have shown, even the possible return is not predictable in terms of its severity or degree of similarity to the previous forms. In other words, we don't yet know enough about this variant uh, to know how deadly it will be, but we are seeing a spike once again in cases and, yes, hospitalizations in some places. Another factor at play in the rise of cases and a possible next wave, human behavior surrounding virus prevention measures. Omenka said human activities are among the factors that, quote, influence how things unfold. Europe is not the only part of the world seeing a spike in COVID cases. China ordered a lockdown of the residents of the city of Changchun. They closed schools in Shanghai, urged the public not to leave Beijing this weekend, among a new spike in cases in the area, likely from Omicron. According to Andrew Sorkin at The New York Times, the huge Foxconn company has now shut down its factories in China once again. Amid an outbreak, the tech manufacturing giant said it had stopped production in Shenzhen, a major tech hub, after the local authorities ordered all residents to stay home and non-essential businesses to stop production. It's the latest blow for Chinese tech companies whose stocks have been tumbling not only on the Ukrainian news, but now also on the COVID news. The good-ish news for the moment uh, is that here in the U.S., cases for now are still trending downward. Again, for the moment, following the initial wave of Omicron, they're still fairly high at an average of nearly 35,000 new daily cases across the country. The uh, lowest case rate we have seen since July, when it began to creep up again last year into uh, into fall's Delta surge, just prior to the then very swift rise and then fall of Omicron, according to CDC data. But even now, the U.S. is experiencing about 1,500, 1,500 COVID deaths per day across the country. That, according to CDC's moving average over the past seven days, for the past two years, we have been uh, a bit of an early warning system on this program, on the broadcast, in our warnings about what was coming in the days and the weeks and the months ahead. And 
I I'm not uh, well. I guess I'm proud of it, but I I, I I hate saying it. We've been pretty much on the money in all of those warnings well, over the past couple. Yeah, of years. and it's it's not a great thing to be uh, to, to be right to about. Be right about. But I yes, I mean, if if we're still at 1,500 deaths in the U.S. a day on average, then that's you know two 9/11s every two days. It's uh, it, it's still remarkable, and way too many people dying from what is essentially a preventive preventive disease that if you have your vaccination, you are protected against hospitalization and death. Well, and you know, and I will note, the reason that we have been pretty much on the money uh, over the past two years in our warnings about all of this is because they come from actual hard data. They don't come, you know, from our beliefs or our wishes or our desires. They come from uh, numbers and studies and experts uh, that are cross-checked with other numbers and studies and experts uh, but here in the U.S. right now, cases of BA2 make up an estimated or made up an estimated 116 uh, percent of cases uh, as of March 5. That according to CDC data. But 116 percent of cases. That's up from 6.6 back in late February, just one week earlier. So, yes, uh, BA2 cases have now nearly doubled in that time uh, among new cases. Again, uh, some studies are finding BA2 may be up to 30 percent more transmis- transmissible than the original Omicron, which was already wildly transmissible. Uh, so, you know, all of this is not meant to bum you out any more than we seem to bum you out five days a week right here on the broadcast, uh, given all that we have to work with these days. Um But it's meant to say that, yes, we are experiencing a bit of a lull right now in cases as the initial BA1 surge of Omicron uh, has largely burnt itself out. But the rush to do away with mask mandates, et cetera. Hey, don't if you threw away, don't throw away your masks. Because the rush to get rid of all the mandate, it kind of reminds me of that similar rush last year. In the uh, late spring, early summer, we were told by July 4, we'd be able to enjoy small, local, unmasked Independence Day gatherings with friends and family who had been vaccinated. And many did exactly that, only to see then the rise of the incredibly deadly Delta variant shortly thereafter, followed by the incredibly contagious, if less lethal, per capita anyway, Omicron variant. So, yeah, we have a lull and, uh, you know, going out over this past weekend, I'm finding now that a lot of places where folks are going about their normal business, they're doing it without masks indoors as if this thing was all over. I would love to think they're right. Evidence, however, shows that may not be the case. So here's a thought. Uh, While things are slowed down and it's easier than ever right now to schedule yourself for a booster shot, if you haven't had one already, now is a great time to get that taken care of. If and when the BA2 variant begins to rise here in the U.S., and there are signs, by the way, that may have already begun, I believe you will thank me for this reminder uh, that it is now a great time to get boosted. Of course, if you haven't been vaccinated at all up till now, uh, somehow, well, congratulations, you made it this far. How much longer do you feel like tempting fate and death? Get vaccinated. Only 44.3% of the U.S. population right now has received a booster dose. 
despite CDC data showing booster shots of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines have proven highly effective at preventing Omicron-related hospitalizations. Just this weekend, uh, former President Barack Obama tested positive for the virus after experiencing some symptoms. He described a uh, scratchy throat for a couple of days and then credited his mild symptoms to having been fully vaccinated and boosted. Butler University's Omenka told USA Today, uh, quote, at this point, a new wave of COVID-19 anywhere ought to be viewed as a potential new wave worldwide. This is a more beneficial approach, regardless of the outcome. On a global level, the World Health Organization recently re- reversed its stance on booster shots. They now, quote, strongly support urgent and broad access to booster doses. Previously, they had insisted that boosters were not necessary uh, because they contributed to vaccine inequity. Now they are advising that everyone who can get a booster shot. Here's Dr. Maria Kirkov of Georgetown University speaking at the WHO press conference last week about the emergence of new variants. Um, Unfortunately, uh, we do expect to see recombinants because this is what viruses do. They change over time. Um, We're seeing uh, a very intense level of circulation. We are seeing this virus infect animals um, with the possibility of infecting humans again. Um, So, again, uh, the pandemic is far from over. And not only do we need to focus on saving people's lives and reducing severe disease and death, we also have to focus on reducing the spread. We cannot allow this virus to spread at such an intense level. It doesn't mean locking people down, locking people in their homes. It means using simple tools and a layered approach. Um, So it's really critical that the systems that have been put in place for surveillance, for testing, for sequencing, right now be reinforced, that they are not taken apart because we have to move on to the next challenge. We need all countries, high income, low income, middle income, to strengthen systems because they will benefit not only this virus, but any future threats that we face. So, yeah, I I don't enjoy being the, the bearer of bad news. Sorry about that. But uh, if there's someone out there who this reaches and it saves their lives, um, you're welcome. Yeah. I, I mean, part of this, of course, is that, as we know, there are a lot of people who have long COVID who did not anticipate these uh, symptoms and the impact on their lives to continue after their first initial bout. So that's one thing to consider. But also there are people who have immunocompromised relatives at home, mm-hmm. elderly grandparents or parents that they are taking care of. Mm-hmm. So if they are exposed to somebody, then they uh, run an extra risk of passing that on and being a vector to people who are extremely vulnerable yep. to it. So So, you know, it's a it's like you said, an early warning to keep your wits about you. You know, you may be done with COVID, but COVID is not necessarily done with you. Well said. And it's, you know, just worth being smart and and maintaining some some sense of what's actually happening in the county where you live and the rates of infections and especially hospitalizations and death rates, because you want there to be a hospital room and a bed available for you if you need it, regardless of what you have. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe you've heard it here first. Uh, No matter. Please get that booster shot. If you haven't already, studies show that boosters significantly decrease your chance of uh, severe uh, cases of covid, even if you've had the first two shots already. And since booster effectiveness is believed to begin to wane after about four months, Frankly, I will not be surprised if the CDC and the FDA uh, before long begin recommending a second booster shot, uh, depending on whether BA2, uh, again, as as 
potentially 30% more transmissible than the wildly transmissible original Omicron variant uh, as that continues to rise. Uh, Okay, and you know what? I was going to end. I was going to end this, the upbeat portion of today's program. But a couple of people want to tell me that I'm wrong about a couple of different things, it looks like, on the the phone. So let me catch a quick one or two of these before uh, we get out of here. Let me go to Mike in L.A. Hey, Mike, uh, welcome to the broadcast, sir. What's on your mind? Hey, I agree with everything you said about the virus. However, on Daylight Saving Time, so-called, which is a fraudulent name, by the way, <laughs> it's actually Daylight, or rather, Counterfeit Time, or Liar's Time. Uh-huh. But could you tell me one advantage that we get by making the clocks lie for seven months, for 12 months of the year, rather than only seven months? Uh, let's see. Uh, well, I can because I'm happier. Uh, because the more sunshine I get, the happier I no, am. No, no, no. no you and don't get more sunshine. Wh- I, I, well, I do. From daylight saving. Well, I, yes, I do. Because I still wake up at the same time. And so, uh, you know, it's now it's darker in the morning and it's later, it's lighter late at night. Not to mention, and Desi, you'll have to jump in here on this. I'm trying to give you an answer, Mike. Not to mention, isn't there uh, energy savings because of daylight savings? No, there isn't. No, That's a myth. <laughs> Sorry, that is a myth. All right. The Earth gets the same amount of sun, regardless of what we do to deceive ourselves by changing clocks. All right. I, I appreciate your opinion, Mike. I've heard talking heads on the weather shows saying, yeah. oh, we get the days longer now. That's only because it's going toward the summer solstice. Well, that's right. The same time does... But the, that's true. But the time that I'm awake, I'm getting more sunshine. I'm happier, Mike. Well, you can get awake at a different time. <sighs> no, I cannot. Thank you, Mike, but for that call. You get less sunshine, actually. All right. I, I, if you say so, Mike. I I, pre- I do appreciate your call. I know. I hear you. I'm always gl- Longer in the evening, shorter in the morning. I got gotcha. you. I got to go. I got to get out. I appreciate your call and and your opinion. I'm sorry that you're wrong, but that's okay. Thanks for calling, Mike. All right. He he hung up on himself. Uh, Do I have time for one more? Who wants to tell me I'm wrong? Okay. About something else entirely. Uh, Mark uh, in Sherman Oaks. Hey, Mark, what's up, brother? Oh, Mark, what am I wrong about? Where did he go? All right. Mark's gone. It's all right. I probably don't have time anyway. He wanted to tell me I was wrong about COVID. For some reason. I don't know why. I got data on that. Not just my opinion, like on Daylight Savings Time. All right. uh, We will uh, take a quick break here. And uh, yes, uh, with the upbeat portion now done, we will move to Ukraine. Though even there, uh, I think we may find a bit of levity among the darkness, uh, both that levity and darkness. And uh, maybe, maybe more of your calls if I get time at 818-985-5735. Uh, on whether you support social media outlets like YouTube shutting down Russia propaganda channels, even if, as it turns out, that means appearances of mine on some of those stations uh, have disappeared as well. Uh, some of those stations, at least back before they became out-and-out Russian propaganda outlets, they're no longer available on the Internet. We'll see if I can get to that as well. Uh, all of that is straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial.
What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com slash donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. There's no such thing as a winnable war. It's a lie we don't believe anymore. We share the same biology. Regardless of ideology And what might save us, me and you Is that the Russians love their children too Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com Somewhat uh, picking up a little bit where we left off on Friday's program uh, let's start here at least with a bit of levity, if such a thing is possible these days out of Ukraine. Uh, in this case, uh, it comes from the head of Ukraine's anti-corruption agency at the end of last week. And if he can find a sense of humor, frankly, in all of this, uh, even as it is a form of a, of a bit of public propaganda uh, in hopes of keeping up morale in that besieged nation right now. Well, uh, who are we to do otherwise? The head of the anti-corruption agency of Ukraine sent a letter to Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoi- Shoigu thanking him for embezzling all the funds of the Russian army, which have proven to be a great aid to Ukraine. This is uh, this is an actual letter, and this is from a translation of this letter in Russian uh, by a Daily Coast commentator um, reading from the letter to Minister of Defense of the Russian Federation, Sergei Shoigu. Re, thank you letter. The National Agency on Corruption Prevention supports all representatives of foreign states who contribute to the development of Ukrainian anti-corruption bodies, as well as help in strengthening democratic institutions in Ukraine. In this regard, the minister writes, the agency expresses its sincere gratitude to the Minister of Defense of the Russian Federation, Sergei Shoigu, for his invaluable contribution to the fact that Russian means and support resources for the attack on Ukraine were stolen even before they were accumulated on the border of the two states. Participating in the methodical, systematic and long-term theft of the budgetary funds of the Russian Federation, which were allocated for the development of military potential, Sergei Shoigu, together with other officials of the defense sector, contributed to the acceleration of the liquidation of the occupiers on the lands of the sovereign state of Ukraine. The persistence of Ministry of Defense officials and the armed forces of the Russian Federation to embezzle funds from Russian taxpayers that should have gone to the needs of the army makes it much easier to defend democratic Ukraine. Thanks to this, Ukrainian anti-corruption institutions, which work to ensure transparency in the use of public funds, counteract corruption, fraud and economic crime, our agency will be able to resume their activities as soon as possible instead of wasting time on destroying the occupiers on their land as well as scrap metal brought to the territory of our state. The military and Ukrainian intelligence team document numerous examples of this undoubtedly important activity. And they go on to list, uh, in particular, the protection of Russian tanks, 
made from cardboard egg trays. Without a doubt, these means of protecting military equipment deserve to become a separate assessment factor in the power index when forming the global firepower rating of the strongest armies in the world. And in fact, the letter includes a photo as attachment. Uh, in this case, uh, it includes several photos as attachments. In this case, it shows that the uh, protective armored bumper, if you will, on these uh, on these tanks, at least according to the photos attached, do appear to have cardboard egg tray like structures inside a very thin steel veneer for at least uh, at least part of their armor on on these tanks, these Russian tanks. Wow. So he's alleging that the oligarchs who control the funding for Russia's military have siphoned it off for their own personal use and shortchanged the Russian military, the troops that are out there in the field with egg carton tank protection. <laughs> that's that's it. Wow. Now, that's his allegation. Now, of course, this could be propaganda as well. I mean, it certainly is propaganda. Uh, doesn't mean it's untrue. But the fact that he released this public letter, uh, he goes on to say the agency also expresses its deep gratitude to Mr. Shoigu for the use of ZIL-130 cars to transport personnel which has no analogs in the world. While these cars are obviously comfortable to the Russian soldiers as they feel light dizziness during the Ukrainian March frosts, the speed of movement of this vehicle, as well as its bright aquamarine color, allow the local territorial defense forces to effectively undergo training in the operation of modern weapons against light targets. And another photo shows that these light blue Aquamarine open military transport vehicles just stand out against the snow, the white snow and and the trees in the shot. Yeah, uh, pretty easy to see to target them. And uh, as the uh, defense minister, I'm sorry, the uh, the anti-corruption minister here in Ukraine says, hey, thanks for using those trucks. They're working out as great target practice for us. You know, it's interesting, um, if these allegations prove true, it reminds me of the shortchanging of the U.S. military in the Iraq Uh and Afghanistan war. Remember the MRAP vehicles that the soldiers' parents had to buy them protection and protective gear for themselves and send it to them uh, on the front lines in order for them to have the kind of uh, protection that they actually needed because the U.S. military under the Bush administration was not sending them. That's right. Sent them in in these wide-open transport uh, trucks with no protection at all. Uh, the minister goes on here. Uh, his name is Alexander Novikov. Uh, he says special thanks also go to those that provide the Russian army with military food packages, the expiration date of which is 2015. He notes due to the lack of food, the Russian occupation troops abandon military equipment and surrender to the local residents of Ukrainian villages in order to eat. He says we also admired your bulletproof vests made of cardboard worn by the crew members of the captured Russian uh, Barnal T armored car instead of armored plates. And again, photos are attached here showing a so-called bulletproof vest with a gunshot straight through it, exposing, yes, what appears to be cardboard inside of that supposedly protective vest. Uh, the minister notes the bullet the bulletproof vests were so strong they were damaged by conventional small arms. In this regard, we express special gratitude because now the armored car serves in the ranks of the Ukrainian defense forces and helps to resist the aggressor. Finally, uh, he notes here that um, 
when it comes to uh, captured uh, U.S. forces to reduce the likelihood of a conflict of interest uh, with the following. Uh, they, they issue the following step-by-step instructions. In case of crossing the border with Ukraine, a Russian serviceman is obliged to go to the nearest settlement, move away from the equipment at a safe distance and drop their weapon, ask forgiveness for crossing the border without passport control, wait for the Ukrainian military who will allow him to call his mother, and wait for his return home. We look forward to fruitful cooperation in taking into account our recommendations. The head of the uh, Ukrainian anti-corruption agency, Alexander Novikov. So, uh, sure, even, you know, the letter is funny. Um, maybe it's true. I, but, you know, who knows if these photos are real or not? They certainly look convincing. And releasing such a letter is obviously a form of propaganda meant to keep up the morale of the Ukrainian people in this case, under this situation. And it's hard to blame them for wanting to. In fact, it's easy to celebrate their spirit in all of this. Russian propaganda, on the other hand, is quite a bit darker and, frankly, not nearly as amusing. As AP is reporting today, a uh, wounded pregnant woman who was taken on a stretcher from a maternity hospital in Mariupol that was bombed by Russia last week, she has died along with her baby. Uh, the Associated Press has learned she was one of at least three pregnant women who uh, were tracked down by AP from that maternity hospital that was bombed uh, last Wednesday in the Ukrainian city of Mariupol. The two other uh, mothers uh, survived along with their newborn daughters. In video and photos shot by AP journalists after the hospital attack, the wounded woman in this case, whose photo or video you may have seen, you may recall it. She was being carried out uh, on a stretcher on top of a red blanket. Remember that woman, uh, Desiree, with the oh, yeah. polka, the black uh, polka dots on a red blanket on the on the stretcher, uh, like a strawberry. Uh, well, she was seen holding and, and stroking her bloodied lower left abdomen as emergency workers carried her through the rubble. Um, her face was pale, and uh, she appeared to be in some shock at what had just happened. Um, that was, of course, one of the most brutal moments so far in the so far 19-day uh, war in Ukraine by Russia. The woman was taken to another hospital uh, where doctors tried to save her, realizing she was losing her baby. According to medics, she cried out, kill, uh, she cried out to them, kill me now. A doctor said Saturday that the woman's pelvis had been crushed. Her hip had been detached. Her baby was delivered via cesarean se- uh, section, but showed, quote, no signs of life, he said. They tried to save the woman. They did more than 30 minutes of resuscitation. Uh, But that did not produce results, according to the doctor. Both the woman and the child died. Accused of uh, attacking civilians, Russian officials claimed in response that the maternity hospital had been taken over by Ukrainian extremists to use as a base, that there were no patients or medics left inside at all, that the entire thing was a bunch of actors 
Russia's ambassador to the U.N. and the Russian embassy in London falsely described the AP images that were taken by their own photographers and videographers as fakes. AP journalists who have been reporting from inside the blockaded Mariupol uh, city since early in the war documented the attack. They saw the victims and the damage firsthand. According to AP, they shot video and photos of several bloodstained pregnant mothers fleeing the blown out maternity ward as medical workers shouted and as children were crying. The AP team tracked down some of those victims on Friday and Saturday uh, to, you know, in response to these claims that, oh, they were just actors. The whole thing was a fake. They tracked down these uh, these women uh, over the weekend after they were transferred to another hospital on the outskirts of town uh, in the port city on the Sea of Azov, which has been without supplies of food and water and power now for more than a week. Electricity from emergency generators is reserved only for operating rooms. And the survivors described their ordeal. And the uh, as they did, ex- more explosions shook the walls, causing medical workers to flinch. Shelling and shooting in the area is sporadic, but AP reports it's relentless. Another pregnant woman uh, gave birth to a girl on Thursday. So there's that. After AP photos and videos showed her, you may remember her as well. She had a polka dot blouse on, a white uh, top with uh, black polka dots on it. Yeah, she was one of the ones that was able to evacuate uh, on her own feet, uh, to evacuate herself that way. Good news. Uh, She gave birth to a girl, and they are both okay at this time. A third pregnant woman, seen by AP, uh, lost some of her toes in the bombing. Uh, Medical workers also there performed a cesarean uh, uh, section on her, On Friday, her baby was then rubbed vigorously to stimulate any signs of life. After a few tense moments, the baby began to wail. Cheers resonated throughout the room amid uh, the cries of the girl who was named Alana. Uh, Her mother also cried. The medical staff wiped tears from their own eyes. So, uh... Yeah, Russia, Russian propaganda is is a, a very serious and very well-funded operation. And that was underscored again over the weekend from several bulletins that were verified uh, by Mother Jones's David Korn as having been distributed by Russia's so-called media watchdog agency. Last week on Friday's uh, broadcast... Uh, discussing the effort by a group of Americans to raise money to begin transmitting Voice of America programming into Ukraine and Russia via shortwave, as Voice of America used to do during the Cold War, uh, but for reasons that they had uh, trouble explaining to us, uh, VOA has since stopped doing that after the end of the Cold War. I, I, I mentioned in our coverage of all of that that according to Julia Davis of Daily Beast, Uh, She has been monitoring Russian television in Russia uh, that, according to her, even Russia's most popular evening news and discussion programs, even there, some cracks are beginning to appear with a number of the expert pundits on the uh, on the program last week, suggesting that the war effort, in fact, was not going particularly well. 
They're not allowed to call it a war effort. It's got to be called a special military operation under law, or they uh, could go to jail for 15 years. Um, But they also noted that uh, Russia was unlikely to be able to hold Ukraine over the long term and that the Russian people were likely to face some very, very hard times in the days ahead due to the massive economic sanctions on them by the West that they are now facing and that they are likely to... uh, You know, that is likely to cause uh, increased hardship in the days ahead. Somehow that got through on uh, Russian state run, state owned television. But uh, Julie Davis, after describing some of those comments on that program hosted by an otherwise very pro Kremlin host uh, who angrily, by the way, disagreed with his guests, uh, Julie Davis uh, ends her article at Daily Beast with this paragraph, quote, to lighten the mood in the studio, the host resorted to one of the favorite pastimes of many Kremlin propagandists playing yet another Fox News clip of Tucker Carlson. Uh, uh, Solovyev, the host of the uh, show uh, after the clip was done, uh, smiled and said he's a lot more optimistic than my previous experts in the studio. That clip of Fox's Tucker Carlson apparently was no accident, according to David Korn at Mother Jones over the weekend. He says on March 3, as Russian military forces bombed Ukraine cities, As part of Vladimir Putin's invasion of his neighbor, the Kremlin sent out talking points to state-friendly media outlets with a request. Use more Tucker Carlson. Yeah, really. Korn posts shots of a number of these memos in Russian, uh, and then they are translated for readers. It is essential to use as much as possible fragments of broadcasts of the popular Fox News host, Tucker Carlson, who sharply criticizes the actions of the U.S. and NATO, their negative role in unleashing the conflict in Ukraine and the defiantly provocative behavior from the leadership of the Western countries and NATO toward the Federation, toward the Russian Federation and towards President Putin personally. That's advice from this 12 page document written in Russia, summing up uh, Carlson's position, quote, Russia is only protecting its interests and security. This document is titled for media and commentators uh, recommended for coverage of events uh, as of March 3. It was produced according to the metadata on the document at a Russian government agency called the Department of Information and Telecommunications Support which is part of the Russian security apparatus. It was provided to Mother Jones by a contributor to a national Russian media outlet who asked not to be identified. I can hardly blame them. The source said memos like this one have been regularly sent by Putin's administration to media organizations during the war. Independent media outlets, uh, as we also discussed on our show on Friday in Russia, have been forced to shut down since the start of the conflict. Um, So uh, they literally uh, there's one section uh, in is this the March 10 or the March 3? This was in several different memos, mind you, where they keep citing Tucker Carlson. And he's the only one. He's the only Western journalist that is named. And they keep saying Play more Tucker Carlson. 
so uh, this the section where they uh, let's see a section headline victory in information war tells Russian journalists to push these specific points. Uh, that the Ukrainian military is beginning to collapse, that the Kyiv government is guilty of war crimes, that Moscow is the target of a massive Western anti-Russian propaganda operation, uh, and so on and so forth. It encourages these outlets to, quote, broadcast messages highlighting the law recently passed by the Russian Duma that makes it a crime to impede the war effort or disseminate what the government deems false information fake news about the war, and that is punishable by up to 15 years. That's the portion uh, where they say, uh, use more Tucker. So congratulations, uh, Tucker Carlson uh, and Fox News. Uh, Great work uh, to both of you. And just want to point out that, you know, to be clear, you just said that the Russian Duma, that's, you know, their their legislature has passed that law that uh, Mm -hmm. uh, has has censored uh, independent media and media reporting that doesn't follow the Kremlin's uh, line. And so that's the Russian government doing that kind of shutdown of media, whereas here in in the U.S., the government has not actually made any of those moves toward media companies. It's been the companies themselves, like YouTube Correct. and social media sites. The companies are the ones Correct. that are blocking access Correct. To so when you hear people sites. talk about, uh, oh, the dangers of the government shutting down the Internet or shutting down the websites or, uh, you know, preventing us from looking at this or that as, in fact, YouTube is doing, and I'm going to mention this, I want to get to this is where I was headed here, uh, it's not the government doing it. It is the companies. Now, maybe they're influenced by the policies of the government, uh, whatever the case may be. But that would be if the government ordered, let's say, uh, YouTube to be shut down or or, uh, Russia Today, RT's uh, channel on Facebook to be shut down. If the government ordered that, yeah, that would be a violation of the First Amendment. But these are private companies. They can do what they want. They can shut down what they want. Now, the, the, the encouragement in memo after memo uh, for Russian media to highlight Tucker Carlson is paying off. On Friday, for example, Pravda ran a splashy story headlined, quote, well-known American TV journalist Carlson was outraged by the lies of the United States. Just like the Kremlin wanted. As to those uh, social media companies like Twitter and YouTube that are blocking content now from Russia Today, uh, for example, that uh, David Korn also talks about in his article at Mother Jones, uh, one of their former American American hosts, Abby Martin, who is a friend of ours. We like her. We've had her on the show in, in years past. We had her on actually before she was hired to host a show on RT some years ago before they before RT went, you know, completely bonkers uh, into uh, Putin Kremlin propaganda. Uh, She was very upset over the weekend about YouTube blocking content published by RT since all of her old shows are there, hundreds of them. Many of them very good, by the way, having nothing to do with Russia or Ukraine. They are all now unavailable because of a blanket shutdown of uh, RT's channel. Uh, Abby tweeted over the weekend, YouTube just banned almost 600 episodes of my old show, Breaking the Set. Years-long censorship campaign culminated in tech giants purging thousands of my critical interviews and reports about U.S. empire. She says she is gutted. Um, And I do understand. And she notes, uh, however, uh, at the end of this thread, 
that um, she may have been able to. Someone uh, was able to get an archive of those videos, and they hope to get them uh, posted themselves. I don't know if they will be taken down again, but my understanding is that YouTube was uh, was cutting uh, not any specific broadcast, but just the entire uh, YouTube channel to, A, keep them from monetizing off of that information. They could have, I suppose, gone through video after video, you know, video by one by one to take out only the ones that were problematic. That would be thousands and thousands of video clips, thousands and thousands of hours. So they just shut it down, period. Now, I should note that a whole bunch of my own appearances also on RT, uh, many of them on Tom Hartman's old program, which was carried on RT before they you know, became an out-and-out outlet for Russian propaganda. Many of my own videos are now unavailable as well. Many of those uh, appearances have a lot of still important and relevant information about voting systems, about accountability for American officials. They are embedded, you know, in articles at bradblog.com over the years. If you click on them, you won't be able to watch those videos. Those are now gone, at least for now, Uh, unless, you know, at least unless I have copies of them and I re-upload them myself. So, you know, is this censorship? I don't know. Will we have time? I don't know if we're going to have much time. 818-985-5735. Maybe we can take a couple calls on this. 818-985-KPFK. As noted, it's not a First Amendment violation because it's not being done by the government. But it is YouTube censoring what they view as Russian propaganda. And, you know, preventing the monetization uh, going straight to the Russian government. Uh, Abby sees this as a censorship. I tend to feel that I am okay with this right now, actually, even if it is my own stuff that is sacrificed in the bargain as part of the war effort. But maybe I'm wrong. Uh, if I have time, we'll see. We'll take a quick break here. 818-985-5735 if you'd like to ring in. Am I missing something here? You know, if this is my personal cost of the war, an effort to stop the horrific assault on a democratic nation by an authoritarian neighbor, I think I'm OK with that. But you're welcome to call in and tell me why I am wrong about that. 818-985-KPFK. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back if we have some time. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Desi. The Bradcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Uh, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Do I have a quick call here? Do I have time, uh, Desiree? Let me go to Harold uh, in Redlands. Harold, welcome to the Bradcast very quickly, sir. Uh, Yes, I'm a little confused. Are you for the war in the sense of since it's war, propaganda is, uh, or, uh, 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 you know, censorship is okay. But if this wasn't wartime, 
would it still be okay? Uh, no, I'm against censorship. Which, who are you talking about? Uh, I'm, I'm against government censorship. A private company can do whatever they want. Is that clear? Now, yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, do I have time for one more? I'm going to try. Let's go to Seth in Woodlands. Hey, Seth. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm okay. Get closer to your phone and speak up louder, Seth, quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I find it really uh, outrageous and offensive that uh, this sort of censorship is taking place in uh, in the United States of America. And uh, I find it even more shocking being a decades-old listener and subscriber to KPFK in Pacific huh, that uh, you're actually supporting it. Uh, I mean... Uh, well, I hear you, Seth, but uh, do you... Point of view, but censorship should never, ever be endorsed or validated of any kind. Really? Unless you're shouting uh, fire in a crowd. Uh, okay. Do we lose him? I think we lost Seth. By the way, I did not censor uh, Seth just now. I had every right to, but I didn't. He appears to have uh, either lost signal or hung up on himself. Private companies are not the same as the U.S. government. The First Amendment applies to the government uh, and to state governments, not to private companies. They can play whoever they want or not uh, and censor whoever they like. Uh, I wish I did have more time to talk about this, but feel free to drop me some email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. Keep it short, and I can try to uh, uh, carry it on uh, on an upcoming program. Or you can tweet me at thebradblog. That'll help you keep it even shorter. All right, we got to get out. Uh, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. I gave him my email address. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. I will see you on the Twitters unless they ban me at the Bradblog. That's it. We'll see you there until we see you here next time, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs> <laughs>